This is a financial promotion. If you decide to invest, please remember that investment involves risk. Investments can go up and down in value, so you can get back less than what you put in. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance and may not be repeated. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ravenscroft podcast. My name is Georgie Fletcher and I'm a portfolio manager in the Guernsey Discretionary Investment Management team. And I'm joined by Sam Corbett and Dario um, from the Global Blue Chip team. Hi, Georgie. Hi, Georgie. So today we're going to be having um, a discussion about inflation. It's very much a hot topic in markets and in the media at the moment. So we thought we would just um, kind of go over what what is inflation? How's it measured? Um, are our figures that are being reported um, true or, or are they perhaps higher or lower than what's being reported? Um, and then linking into the investment piece, how that's impacting our um, investment decisions and um, portfolios. So what is inflation? So inflation is a rise in the price of goods or services, um, and it's measured as a percentage increase. Um, And it will show that that change um, on a sort of it can be on a quarter by quarter basis or on a year by year basis. And why that's important to consumers and to to individuals um, within economies is because if inflation is rising and you're not investing or the money that you are investing is growing at a rate lower than the prevailing um, rate of inflation, then you're actually losing purchasing power. So your your one pound today is not going to be able to buy you um, the same sort of basket of goods or, or assets in, in a few years time. So Dario, I don't know if you want to perhaps touch on maybe some inflation causes and, and how it might be measured. Yeah, uh, sure. So, I mean, if we look at the present day, uh, inflation is, is well, historically, I should say then, rather than present day, inflation is caused by either excess money, so i.e. the money supply uh, is high, so things like quantitative easing uh, and bond buying and furlough schemes have all contributed to this because a lot of people have excess savings and this tends to be uh, used to buy things and therefore simplistically push the price up. Equally, you, you can maybe, have... Sorry, go I was on, just going to say, do you want to maybe um, just briefly explain what quantitative easing means for, for some listeners that might not be aware? Yeah, so so quantitative easing is essentially money printing. It's where central banks buy government bonds, generally speaking, to, I suppose, inject liquidity into the economic system. Yeah, um, great. So, yeah. And so basically, you're increasing the amount of money in circulation. Yeah, great. Thank you. So, yeah, so things like so quantitative easing or or things like that, it would be would be termed loose monetary policy. Uh, and when you have years of, of that, it can uh, historically be a cause of inflation. Uh, although deglobalization has been disinflationary. And so perhaps we've seen over the last 30, 40 years, those two things balance out. But having said that, you can also have uh, supply or demand shocks. Either you, so either an increase in demand of a particular good or service or a decrease in supply of a particular good or service can increase the price of that good or service. And I think we're seeing that kind of thing now at the moment uh, in the oil price. Uh, 
where essentially we've just had a massive decrease of supply and perhaps arguably an increase in demand at the same time, which has caused it to spike in price, obviously due to, to what's going on uh, in the Ukraine, sadly. So they could, they're too, well, a few reasons why uh, we might see inflation. However, I have to caveat that with the fact that, you know, inflation in, and economies are very complex subjects and complex systems. And to be able to pinpoint the reason for something happening is, well, next to impossible, really. Yeah. Uh, and it involves a lot of assumption and guesswork. But that's just a, ge- a, gen- a general gist of why we might see inflation would be those reasons. Yeah, yeah that's great, Darry. And on, on that point on complexity, I think it's also worth maybe pointing out the fact that uh, the actual figure of inflation might be, or the reported figure of inflation might be different to the actual levels of inflation experience. And the mm-hmm. reason we, we have uh, discrepancies like that is that economists make periodic, periodic adjustments to the reported numbers, and they actually dilute the sort of uh, effectiveness of them as a, as a, as a yardstick. And we'll give one such example. So, for instance, if you uh, if one if part of the uh, CPI um, reported inflation figures, if if they're measuring things like I don't know a fifty-five inch TV, let's say for one year, that's it within your basket of goods. Um, then, if the next year the price of the TV has 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 gone up, but the TV is is still fifty-five inch, but it's they deem it to be. 20% better than it was the previous year, they'll discount the price by, by 20% to account for the fact that it's 55-inch TV you're buying this year is deemed to be 20% better than the 55-inch TV you were buying last year. Now, the problem with that is, is that the consumer has felt a, you know, a, a, um, a squeeze in their pockets because they're now paying more for a TV that last year physically cost them less. But from the inflation uh, measurement perspective, it's actually saying... That it was, you know, it's the 55-inch TV is now cheaper than it was last year because of, because of this disc, artificial discounting, and that that does create a problem um, because you're not comparing apples with apples. Uh, absolutely. I mean, are there are there any other reasons why um, the inflation figure might be lower than it actually is in real terms? I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, there's lots of tools that uh, economists use, but one one thing we could uh, point out is substitution. So this will be where. Uh, there's one particular good might appear in the in the basket um, one year, like for instance, I don't know, cod. And then the next year, economists say, okay, well, actually, the price of cod has gone up dramatically, so let's switch it for for mackerel, which may not have gone up as much. Now, it, again, it's a, very much the same thing. You're not comparing apples with apples, and therefore, some of the reported inflation figures are actually quite misleading. Um, and it, and it's 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 possibly not enough just to rely on the reported figures to know the true extent inflation is having on on uh yeah on your investment portfolio and on the pinch you're feeling in in your pocket yeah so i guess what you're sort of saying there sam is that the figure can be quite distorted to i guess if economists want investors or or individuals within the economy to feel like they're in an inflationary environment they can distort the figure to make it seem higher whereas if if they want you know the impression to be that we're we're got stagflation or, or deflation then again they could distort the figure yeah, exactly and, and it's just uh it's just something to be mindful of when we're discussing inflation and the fact that inflation has been low for so long and there is a there's an incentive for governments to keep inflation low and you've got a question has it actually been as low as as has been stated historically 
Or is there, you, you know, have there been manipulations that have kept inflation artificially low for, for too long? Yeah, and I think an interesting point is that we we do actually need inflation, right, in the economy to, to keep economies moving and, and churning on you you need you need inflation, don't you? It's just about at what at what level um it's how much be inflation. Yeah, so um I guess the the sort of target that the Fed and the, the Bank of England set is around um around two percent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the term sort of stagflation gets um spoken about from from time to time. And I guess I don't know if one of you maybe wants to explain to listeners who might not know what, what that actually means and are we possibly in that environment at the moment? Sure. Um, so st- stagflation is, I mean, the clues in the name really, it's it's a combination of the words stagnation and inflation. And I think it was it was um coined in the 60s by a conservative MP who was talking about kind of economic slowdown at the same time as inflation. Yes. Uh, but I don't think economies really saw that that phenomena until the 70s. And there's been lots of speculation over why it happened. I don't think really. Again, I don't think you can really, you can, you can guess at reasons, but I don't think you can say with certainty uh, why things were caused. But I mean, certainly if you look at the... Um, monetary policy at the time, certainly in the US, it was quite um, quite loose, as I, as I spoke about earlier. Uh, I think it was leading up to Nixon running for president for a second term. I believe he put pressure on the then chairman of the Federal Reserve um, to increase the money supply. Uh, and then what happened is, in, I think in the early 70s, there was um, a spike in the oil price following the Arab oil embargo. And that it kind of, I mean, that's, I think, from like peak to trough or trough to peak, as it were, um, the oil price rose by 300%. And so you can certainly see similarities between then and now, because, you know, for the last few decades, we have, we've had pretty loose monetary policy. In fact, we've had quantitative easing at a scale never seen before. Uh, and now there's talk of recession at the same time as inflation. So certainly there are similarities between now and the 70s. And you might say we're going we're going to have a stagflationary period of time. Uh, but again, I don't think I mean, I'm sure Sam will agree with me on this because we've spoken about these kinds of things before. But I think I think the reality is to predict it is, you know, a fool's game. It's, it's so complex. There's so thing. many moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like it's any prediction is not really worth the paper it's written on. Because um, it's just it, it, they're so complicated, and I can put I can certainly say I'm not capable of predicting it. Uh, so some people might say otherwise. No, correct. But. And I think that that's kind of the the basis of, of our investment process, isn't it? Um, we we don't believe that anyone has a crystal ball, and and you can't predict the future. So it's about making sensible investment decisions based on um, factors that that you can control and factors that you you can sort of value um price and predict um but obviously being cognizant of the, the the changing um sort of market environment around you and and granted you know 2022 there has been lots and lots of moving parts it's been a, a very different market environment to, to one that we've had previously we've got sort of inflation we've got rising interest rates we've we've still got covid lurking around and we've obviously got um the sort of devastating um war in ukraine 
So in terms of the current inflationary topic and, and worries, how do you feel within the, the blue chip team or, or the kind of your, your investment process? How's that impacting your, your decisions and what sort of conversations are you, are you having around it? Yeah, I mean, there's two ways really that inflation impacts portfolios. Um, one is uh, on a fundamental basis. So your as your inputs costs rise, your profitability gets squeezed, your margin gets squeezed. So these these well, most companies become less profitable. This is a bigger problem for for companies that have low gross margins. So the the, the costs are a, a, yeah their their input costs are a bigger portion of their of their revenues because if your if your costs represent a bigger portion of your revenues, and as those costs increase, it has a a bigger impact on the margins you're able to achieve than a company that has high gross margins where your your cost of your cost of goods sold is actually less. Um, so you're saying, yeah, if if a company is has higher input costs as as prices go up, they're having to pay more, so they're right. making less money. Whereas a company that has lower input costs and and is selling more goods, they can be selling them at a higher price. So I, I guess you get the winners and losers, don't you? Yeah, no, it's exactly that. And so uh, looking for companies with sort of high gross margins is really important in an inflationary environment. Uh, it's probably easiest or best explained with, uh, with with some numbers. But uh, if, for instance, you've got a company with uh, 20% gross margins, so their cost of goods, for every £100 of goods they sell, the cost is £80. If if suddenly that goes up 10%, your, your margin decreases from your 20% down to 12%. Whereas if you've got the flip, flip side or the reverse of that, you've got a company with uh, gross margins of 80% and... So every hundred pounds uh, of sales they get, it costs them twenty pound. If that goes up ten percent, your margin falls to seventy eight percent. So you have a two percent fall compared to an eight percent fall. Um, so it, it, it makes a, in an inflationary environment, having companies with high gross margins makes a makes a big difference, and is one way that you can you can sort of uh, protect your portfolio from from inflation by sort of focusing on businesses or owning businesses. With high gross margins. Do you have any um, any examples of those? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 lots within the portfolio, but uh, one of the ones that always springs to mind when we talk about sort of high margins is is Visa, and and uh, yeah, a number of our other sort of services led businesses typically have, or, or software as service businesses typically have high gross margins uh, because they're not producing physical goods; it's it's more sort of digital goods. But yeah, and then the the other part of that equation, though, is so you've got the impact on the fundamental side, but you've also got the impact on valuations, because as sort of uh, inflation rises, one method governments use to sort of squash inflation to sort of more manageable levels is to raise interest rates. And as your interest rates rise, your your risk free rate um, that, you, that that is that are commonly used in sort of discounted cash flow models to determine the value of equities. Uh, increases and therefore uh, the impact this has is to suppress equity valuations. So at a time where profitability is coming under under fire, the price people are willing to pay for exposure to that profitability is also decreasing. It's it's a double edged sword and it's uh, yeah it's a it's a difficult uh, difficult time to be an equity investor when there is high inflation or the threat of high inflation here and and on the horizon and potentially staying for for a while. 
yeah. think, think Visa is quite um, an interesting one. We um, recently purchased a new fund within our balanced and growth um, strategies on the multi-manager side um, called Lazard Global Thematic Inflation Opportunities, bit of a mouthful. Um, and in their latest fact sheet, they were saying that, so Visa, they when someone makes a transaction, they receive a percentage um, of, of that transaction. So actually, if, if prices are going up, the, the amount of money people are going to be spending, spending. is increasing. So they're, they're there's an element of inbuilt protection within Visa's business model against inflation. Yeah, yeah so it, I, I guess they're going to benefit from, from both sides of that, aren't they? Well, exactly. I mean, Visa is a phenomenal business uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, this inbuilt inflation protection mechanism because they're just taking a cut of the value of the transactions across their network is is definitely an advantage for for them in a in an inflationary environment it's yes it's a great comment georgie thank you sam so that sort of covers um the equity side and, and how equity investors may be affected and how we're kind of navigating that environment but Dara, i don't know from a, a bond side how fixed income investors may, may be faring at the moment and areas um to potentially be looking at or, or not? <laughs> yeah, um, certainly. I mean, so when it when it comes to bonds or, or fixed income investments, uh, arguably they're a little bit more sensitive uh, to inflation because essentially you've got uh, you've got an instrument that will redeem at some point in the future at par value uh, and is paying a fixed amount to you, generally speaking. Unless there's you know you can obviously get inflation bonds and things like that. But if we just for this podcast, if we just focus on plain vanilla bonds, then you've got fixed fixed payments uh, at regular intervals until the instrument redeems. Uh, and, you know, generally bonds will be issued uh, at a certain coupon or interest rate above the risk free rate, which is obviously set uh, by the Bank of England. And so you're depending on the risk of the issuer of of that that debt depends on the kind of interest payment you can expect to receive uh, but generally they are fixed and and when you've got those kind of cash flows i mean if you look at the moment let's say let's just imagine we've got inflation at 10 percent uh and so you know the real rate that you're receiving on money in the bank is minus six percent but even if even if you've uh, let's say let's say Obviously, we just say interest rates are around 2%, inflation's 8%. So even if you're receiving, I don't know, 5 6% coupon on that bond, with inflation at 8%, you're still losing money over the year. Yeah, it's that, uh, loss of that purchasing power, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And the capital value of the bond isn't going to be redeemed for more than what the par value of the bond is. And in general, people have been paying over the odds for bonds because of how low interest yeah. rates have been and because there has been no inflation. Uh, and so it really has, I mean, it's been a pretty torrid time for the bond market. And, and to be honest, to, be, to pick an area uh, of the bond market that is going to be resilient to inflation would probably be somewhat difficult uh, in, in reality, especially when you've got interest rates going up at the same time as well. Because obviously bonds have, well, they have a duration. Each bond has a duration, which is basically uh, its sensitivity to interest rate rises expressed in years, which is a bit of a weird concept. But essentially, it just it just kind of gives you an idea of what the capital value of a bond will do for every percentage interest rate rise we get. And so, yeah, it's not a it's not 
a nice time for bonds at the moment, certainly. I know um, on the multi-manager side, the sort of two main things that we're focusing on from um, a, a fixed income perspective is active management and short duration. So in a, a tough market environment, you want to own the quality areas um, of the market. So the areas that are least likely to default um, and a, a passive sort of bond investment like a, a government sort of bond um, portfolio that would own the whole market. Um, whereas if you if you employ active managers, they can pick those quality areas that are least likely to default, which is really important in a tough market environment. And equally, um, which is exactly sort of what what you were saying, um, having short duration. So that's you said that duration is measured in years. So having a bond that's sort of three three years or less really is also really important because it has it's going to be less sensitive to any changes in interest rate. And also, I think what's quite nice, well, within the bond environment now, they've taken a lot of, a lot of the pain. But actually, a lot of the bonds that are maturing now, um, bond investors are able to um, use those proceeds and, and reinvest them back into to bonds, which are uh, unlocking um, lower prices. So actually, they're, they're going to be yielding um, higher returns. So that essentially means a, a higher income yield. Um, I know particularly within the income fund, um, our Ravenscroft Global Income Fund, um, that the income yield has gone back up to 3%, kind of purely purely based on, on, on that sort of theory, really. So yeah, it's been a really tough environment for bond investors, but hopefully they're, they're going to start seeing, um, I guess, some, some benefits of, of the tough environment they've experienced. Yeah, I think... I think you're probably right, Georgie. I think a lot of the pain is priced in. And yeah, obviously, investors will be demanding a higher return for, to, 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 to lend money, essentially. You'll be, you'll be, any investor will be requiring a higher return in the current environment. So you're absolutely yes. right. There's higher yields can, can be found. It's, it's definitely true. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess in, in, in summary for, for investors, you know, now is a time that you may not, you may not feel comfortable and it, you know it may feel unnerving in markets but with um inflation expectations um sort of rising it is really important to be investing um to really protect the the, the purchasing power of your capital and and to stay ahead of inflation so that in 5 10 15 years time you can still buy the same basket of goods then as as you can today yeah, being being in cash is is definitely uh, uh, not an ideal place to be in a in a, in a environment that's where we're susceptible to high inflations because, as Georgie said, your your purchasing power is diminishing. Yeah, every, every year. So, so yeah, being being invested at a rate above inflation is extremely important to preserve your the real value of your your wealth. Great. Yeah. Well. We thank you very much um, for joining us on this podcast and we hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks, Georgie. Thank you. Thank you both.